Testing, 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 testing. Trinity Radio. I'm Jonathan Pritchett. Along with me, of course, is Braxton Hunter. So glad that you all are here today and appreciate you showing up. Um, I don't know if we've ever done just Q&A before. And so we're not doing it today either. We have something to talk about. Yeah, first. we're going to we got a little something we're going to talk about. We always about. have a thing before we do Q&A and we saw something that's just gold. Yeah, but so. we are going to we are going to take questions from most of the time we have yeah. together. I saw that Slam RN says, so you're going to be streaming at the same time as Winger. Um, my understanding is that Winger is streaming at three o'clock. Can we be done by three o'clock? Probably not. So if probably we're not, right. just switch over um, anyway. Yeah, just go watch Winger. I mean, it's, it's fine. We don't mind. These um, things are on the internet long after the live stream is over. Which is why some of you are watching this two weeks from now and you're like, I don't want to hear about the stream confl- conflicts. Right. So, um, so if you have a question for us, we've seen the ones that have already popped up and we'll try to get those. But going forward, type uh, in all caps question or something like that, because the software that we use doesn't highlight our name like YouTube does. So if you'll just type question, then that will um, that will help. All right. So uh, there is an article from a Internet publication called The New Statesman. Never heard of it. Before. Don't know what The New Statesman is. If it's some sort of like hardcore something horrible, then we didn't know that. But this article seems all right. And this is from two days ago. And it says, it's titled, How Millennials Turned Away from Religion and Embraced New Lifestyle Cults. And it begins. I always like it when they include the word cults in a way that doesn't really mean anything. Well, cult is, you know, one of those scare words that just grabs the attention, right? From Harry Potter to wellness to astrology, Tara Isabella Burton argues that young people are not abandoning faith, but reinventing it to suit their own lifestyles. Yes, because that's totally new. 
Right. <laughs> well, what they're coming up with is new in a Hegelian sense. Yes. A prolific live journal blogger believes that the Hogwarts potions master Severus Snape is her personal savior. A Brooklyn boutique owner lights phallus-shaped candles and hosts a mass hexing of the Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh. A masochist finds transcendence a masochist finds transcendence in hardcore BDSM. A record number of Americans say they have no religion, and a glance at the data may suggest that spirituality is becoming obsolete. Recent surveys show religious nuns overtaking evangelical Christians as the biggest religious demographic in the U.S. They account for almost one in four American adults and almost 40% of those born after 1990. Even rites of passage that have long drawn the secular back into the fold, at least temporarily, no longer exert the same pull. In 2017, just 22% of U.S. weddings took place in houses of worship, down from 41% in 2009. My wedding did not take place in a house of worship. Um, it took place in the one sunshiny spot in all of, in all of Nashville. Day. Yeah. yeah. But, but here's the thing. It actually took place in a stone platform built so that the troops could rally, I think, and have church and have like, uh, you know, whatever organizational details need to be worked out for, for a civil war battle. So I'm sure that where I got married is going to be ripped up out of the earth and thrown into a Columbia. Uh, Can Columbia I just River. point out that <laughs> if our viewing audience were to go back to since we started YouTube and even go back to since we were on was BraxtonHunter.com, just audio only podcasts, mm -hmm. I have been saying for years now. Stupid paganism is the dominant religion in the United yeah. States. I have been saying this well, forever. Yeah. Well, dominant religion in the U.S.? Yeah. Okay. But, the dominant non-Christian religion. How about that? Here's the thing to understand. The thing that apologists should care more about than atheists. Here's the thing. Is these nuns, as they're called, N-O-N-E-S nuns, uh, I think I think some atheists know know what's up here, but some atheists, I think, you know, um, salivate when they hear religious nuns because they think that means these people are broadly in their camp in some way. <laughs> but And many of them, I'm sure, are in some sense. A Harry but, Potter character is their savior. But if Severus Snape is your savior, you're not... Well, I mean, you might be an atheist, but I don't know in what sense. A lot of this is spiritual stuff that at least naturalistic atheists aren't down for. All right, yeah. um, let's see. Uh, okay, so here we go. But look closer. And more complicated picture emerges. In Strange Rites, the novelist and scholar Tara Isabella Burton explores a curious paradox. 72% of Americans who tell pollsters they have no religion also say they believe in, quote, something, including almost half who regularly talk to a higher power and a similar number who trust a spiritual force to protect them in life. So 72% so believe in something, half believe in, the half talk to a higher power and half um, trust a spiritual, a spiritual force to protect them in life. So these are not naturalistic atheists. Here. No. Burton argues that young people are not abandoning religion, but reinventing it to suit their own lifestyles, mixing and matching spiritual and aesthetic and experiential and philosophical traditions uh, from Buddhism to wellness to astrology into a diverse set of remixed faiths and practices. They might burn sage in the morning, and pray to God in the afternoon, unfazed by the historic incompatibility of witchcraft with Christianity. 
As we increasingly consume our religious information the way we do the rest of our media, curated like our Facebook feeds, so too does our religious feed become increasingly bespoke, she writes. If Protestantism is, ultimately, is the ultimate religion of the printed book, then the remixed faiths are religions of the Internet, cohering around niche interests and beliefs indifferent to physical location. Now, let me ask you a question before you say I mean, I'm, that, that's, we don't need to see any more out of that. Yeah. So what smells worse to you, patchouli or sage? I'm not sure I know what patchouli smells like. If you've ever seen... It sounds pungent. If you've ever, yeah, if you've ever seen like a hippie chick that's like in her, you know, golden years, she mm -hmm. sm that's what she smells like. Suddenly I, I, suddenly I sense it. Yeah, along with cigarettes and everything else. I mean, just, ugh. I can't decide which smells worse. So it's like a Waffle stink. House packed with hippies is what you're saying, basically. <laughs> yeah. Old hippies. Um, and like burnt sauce. So, so, here's, so let, let's think about this a little bit more. Um, this, this thing about because of the Internet, that this new thing is, is if Protestantism is the, is the religion of the book, basically. Meaning the Bible. Yeah, the Bible. Um, then this is the Internet thing. Yeah, I think we feel that even within evangelical Christianity. Yeah. Because, like, one thing I've noticed over the past several years, and there's probably people in this feed, and it's true of myself to a certain degree, is where I used to have, like, your views change. I think views change more for Christians, for everybody, but I think we feel this within Christianity. Like, you know, every now and then you'll see, I think, David Pullman. 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 Trinity Pullman. Student. He's a Trinity student. He posted a screen thing, like a like a thing that he made that showed where his views had changed on various issues. One of those was, I think he became an annihilationist. One of them was he believed in uh, falling from grace. Another one was now recently, I think that he believes that once you uh, apostatize, there's no coming back. You know, he, he moved on all these issues. And um, and so the and that's the Internet. And, and when you look at things like if you go to the God is open uh, Facebook group and or the Rethinking Hell Facebook group or some of these places where to hold these views that were hold by almost no one in your town, you know, uh, growing up in, in America, in the South, let's say, or, or just in America, in middle America, maybe where, where you had a lot of church stuff going on. You didn't find open theists. You didn't find I'm not saying they weren't there. But when you go to a place where they believe in conditional immortality, annihilationism or open theism, the, the, you'll find in there that these are people that that, that what I admire is they're not afraid to move on a position when they become convinced of it. But the point is the internet has allowed them to see everything more clearly, access resources more clearly, assess things, and then choose for themselves. Mm -hmm. But what this article is describing is not even, it's not as cautious as that. What this is describing is I like this one, and I like this necklace, and I like these earrings, and I like these. Yeah, there was a quote further on down where it's talking about the only thing that they can be convinced of is what's true for them or something along yeah, those lines. Yeah, it was the yeah. postmodern you know, relativistic thing. Right, yeah. So uh, the, the point is, I just want it's more of a fashion thing. Like Katy Perry a few years ago when she declared that she wasn't a Christian anymore, but she was spiritual. You just got the sense, same with Justin Timberlake, you got this sense that it was like a necklace that they wear. It was like the, the, what they're saying about their worldview isn't so much a declaration of some beliefs that they have or whatever. It was more of an aesthetic, as the article said. Yeah. You know. But anyway, just wanted an to accessory, open with that. like a pair of earrings. Right? Yeah, and just say that this is the kind of thing that I think the atheists who are interested in logic and pointing out fallacies and things like that, 
they and the Christians who are interested in those things, good logical reasoning, should equally reject this nonsense. Yes. Um, so anyway, there you go. All right, let's get to some questions. But now. but I do want to point out that uh, to point my some stuff out, man. to my atheist friends, on especially the ones on YouTube who think you're you are the city of refuge, so to speak, for all of these people leaving Christianity. Sorry, you're really not. And your way of thinking, which is actually closer to our way of thinking in terms of reason and logic, even though that we can provide a basis for that, you can't. Um, you're not winning them over to that either. Um, so, Braxton Hunter building bridges, Jonathan Pritchett knocking them down. That's right. <laughs> I'm just saying that you're... So it's not really like... Oh, atheism is the big place that I've been saying this forever. Atheism is not, you're not a big deal. Uh, if, if Christians are wanting to convert people to Christianity, you know, the whole Great Commission thing, and we want to defend the faith and do apologetics, atheism is disproportionately getting too much attention from apologists. And uh, Christianity, by the way, is getting disproportionately too much attention from YouTube atheists if you are being evangelistic about your worldview or at least the set of principles of reason and logic. And uh, we can't say science anymore. I just read something yesterday where they want to ditch the scientific method. Uh, Who does? I, um, the woke crowd? No, they, that was last month. This month, it was scientists who say... Scientists want to ditch science? Yeah, the principle of... of uh, False uh, falsification because it says oh, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. that's just because then a, you have to prove the nonsense you might be proposing right but but they say no that that's that's always a moving target and it's not really useful and it gets in the way of true science and well, uh, Einstein pointed that out a long time ago and we need to we need to, to ditch it so uh, forget I mean you know I guess there goes science as being you know well, let's useful. jump in but, here and get some questions yeah Bridget. but but atheists sorry you you're not winning this this uh this thing i pretty harry potter is doing more <laughs> recruiting for religious beliefs than than uh christianity or atheism. yeah so when atheists say oh yeah you believe that you know you've got a talking snake and a talking donkey why don't you just go join hogwarts some people heard you say that and they were like yeah I'll yeah do why that. don't i go yeah join i hogwarts. need to go do that <laughs> all right uh daniel james hole here yeah. Says Trinity Radio, do you believe that sola fide and sola gratia are essentials of Christianity and maybe linked to that talk on how you understand Galatians? God bless. Okay, well, um, I don't know that we can sit there and say 500-year-old slogans are essential to anything. Um, but if, if, if we're talking about faith alone, is faith alone essential to Christianity? Well, it depends on what you mean by that, and it depends on... What, he, what I think he means by it, I think so. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, see, I don't even... See, I don't even like... This is the problem with s sloganology. Yeah, but it's, it's basically it's, ditching workspace salvation. Uh, well, sure. And I know you want to go to James, and you're going to do your thing about James, right? Well, no, because there's a, <laughs> already a video on that. But I'm just saying, defined properly, every Christian on the planet believes in sola fide. Defined poorly... No Christian on the planet believes in sola fide. Now, uh, grace alone, that's a, that's a little bit different because the Bible's explicit that salvation is by grace through faith, right? So uh, I'm fine with that because it's, that's the, uh, 
socioeconomic uh, conceptual framework Paul uses uh, as opposed to works or employment for wages because the wages of sin is death and then you know it talks about works of Torah as opposed to uh, you know grace which is properly understood as the ethos in ancient Mediterranean patron-client reciprocity. If you don't know anything about that, there's books available that we've talked about for years on this show. So for those that don't know what we're talking about because you're not a Christian or maybe you weren't raised Christian, we're talking about, so the, the idea here is you are saved by grace through faith. Yeah. So faith is like the tunnel, right? You go through this yeah. tunnel to get to the grace that you say by faith or by grace through faith. So the notion typically when this comes up is it's not that you did anything. It's not that works made you saved. It's not that you earned your salvation or anything like that. It's not that you did enough rituals. It's not that you paid enough money. It's not any of those sorts of things. Right. Where this gets a little bit tricky and talk about it a little bit is that um, there are places in Scripture where it, it talks about being justified, yeah, in so, other ways. So what's the what's the what's the issue in in Galatians? Surprisingly, it's not what uh, a lot of people think it is because they they think it's it's uh, they they read that through later controversies and not really what it, what it basically is is table fellowship. And if you say works of Torah is what gets you in right standing with Yahweh, then explain what's supposed to be the problem. You've made, in you've made, I am, you've made, you've made a uh, an ethnic distinction there that doesn't apply to Gentiles, and you've made God the God of the Jews only. Mm-hmm. So the problem there in Galatians were, were was not just. Jesus, it was Jesus plus you need to do Judaism stuff. And Paul was like, no, you don't, because God uh, has saved the Gentiles as well. They've been included, and Jesus is the thing, not Torah. Torah, works of Torah is not the thing. So if you believe that works of Torah is the thing, you have compromised and gone with another gospel because the gospel is centered around the sphere of faith in Jesus. So that's how you should understand Galatians, because what does works of Torah do? Works of Torah excludes and makes God the Jewish God only and not the God of both the Jews and the Gentiles, which Paul also expands on in uh, Romans as well. But the issue is, the, the issue is who... Who are God's eschatological people? Well, it's the people of faith. It's the Jesus people. It's Team Jesus, not Team Works of Torah. And Team Jesus is by grace. It's not something that you've earned because you do this Torah stuff. It's a gift um, that God has extended through the person and work of Jesus Christ to all of humanity. So. Yeah, but it's not like, and I don't want us to get stuck on this one question, but it wouldn't. It's not like it would be unfair. To look at that and so, so like let's take Romans one twenty right he's talking about idolaters there yeah and he says um, the invisible things of God's eternal power and divine nature are clearly seen through what's been made so they idolaters are without excuse so, without excuse for what recognizing the one Creator God right that there's one Creator God he's talking to idolaters but you could say the same thing to an atheist right the atheist won't be happy about it but you can say the same thing to an atheist and because the principle of that passage 
right is still true for atheists, just like it is for idolaters. Yeah. And it might be more clean there, but I'm not so sure, so sure because when you come over here to Galatians, sure, we're talking about works of the law and how that's a different gospel, like you said, uh, to think that you can do the, the Christian stuff through the works of the law. But the, you could look at a sense where anyone at any time in church history thereafter is, there a is trying there? to is, hold on. Let me clarify because yeah. I'm not just talking to you. I'm talking to the audience. So yeah. where, where you've got say in a particular religious system, Christian religious system, you have to do particular ceremonies. You have to, uh, you know, certain things that you have to make sure are true about you aside from just exercising faith. Right. Um, then that is like enough the, the, the Jewish religious system to make it a different gospel. That that's what. Yeah. If you, if you also. say, if you say like the Judaizers, Jesus plus Torah, could you principalize and say Jesus plus do these seances or you're not saved? Uh, that would, that would be a valid principle, I think. So, yeah, but there, but of course there are, you know, like this is something that's leveled often against the Catholic church or against the assemblies of God or anyone who believes that, in, in a certain sense, well, I don't know if it would stick with the assemblies, but anyone who believes that by not doing certain things or doing certain things, you will invalidate your salvation. That's a, I still think that that's a different question because what the, because in order for an application, I think to be valid, it, it needs to have at least, you know, what occasioned, the discussion in Galatians. Circumcision. Right. And that's a particularly ethnic issue. Mm -hmm. So it would, it would have to be something more like, uh, I mean, I don't know if you could just say, well, anyone who believes in a certain interpretation of the book of James chapter two, well, they're, you know, they're, they're adding, you know, that's that's Jesus plus works, even though James says you're justified by work. I mean, you know, I don't know if you could make that same kind of just with anything. But, it, it, you know, so I, I don't know why the Protestant-Catholic debate gets dumped on the Galatians except through just— that that's not really the occasion of the letter. All right. Well, let's so, move on. Yeah. So you, I don't, you I don't know if you can make that. About that. All right. Jared Craig, love Jared Craig. And he says, assuming that I have PAP, which is the principle of alternative possibilities. He's talking here about free will, the nature of human freedom, something I talk a lot about. And what, what, he, what the principle of alternative possibilities, the PAP there is, is talking about contra causal free, the ability. So looking back at an action you took 20 minutes ago, is it true that you could have done something other than whatever you ended up doing, right? That you really had multiple available options. Um, and, and then LFW is libertarian freedom. That's the type of freedom where you have that, or at the very least, nothing external to you determines what you will do. So we're talking here about free will and determinism. This is my nature is compatible with doing action A or B. What explains my choosing A over B in a given instance? So this is, this is hinting at what is called the intelligibility problem. And the intelligibility problem in the literature about free will is to say, look, um, you do things because of reasons that influence you. And this is the example I always give. I probably should come up with different examples so it doesn't get boring. But if, if, I, if I come into my house and I've got a treadmill over here and a chocolate icing or chocolate cake over here, 
I'm influenced in both directions. I'm influenced by the chocolate cake because of obvious reasons. I'm influenced by the treadmill because I want to look better, uh, look more like Jonathan Pritchett except with no hair. <laughs> um, so I'm influenced in both directions. And, and whichever influence might not be clear which one I want more, which one is exerting more influence, let's say. But whichever one does, that's the one I'm going to do. And in that sense, those influences determined whatever you would do. If you wanted the chocolate cake more, you would have had the chocolate cake more. Now, where this gets a little complicated is someone might say, yeah, but I can assess those things and say, I may want the chocolate cake more, but I actually need to forego that because of the long game that I want to lose weight and look like Jonathan Pritchett. Okay, well, then the determinist is going to say, yeah, but that's because what you really wanted more was to look like Jonathan Pritchett. It may have fit what you're really expressing by choosing the treadmill is that ultimately that's the thing you wanted more than the chocolate cake, even if it doesn't feel that way. That, to that you. goes back to strongest motive uh, yeah. explanations, which as we saw in the last time we talked about this, doesn't work. So I'll let you talk about that in a minute. But the problem, the intelligibility argument is, or problem is, so you've either got that, the reasons or the influences determine what you will do. That's why you chose A over B. Or it could be random. It could just be random such that you don't even know what you're going to do. And in neither case do you have free will. That's, that's what we're doing here. Now, the, so he's asking, how do, you, how do you solve that to where a person has libertarian freedom? What explains the, choosing the A over, over the B? Well, I think what explains you're choosing the A over the B are the reasons that you have. So like, let's, so you, so let's say that you have A and B, and why did you choose A? What I want to say is, and what, what the people that take this position say in the literature is, those, whatever reasons you had to get on the treadmill, because you want to look like Pritchett, or the chocolate cake, but let's go with the treadmill. Whatever reasons you had, if that's what you chose, those reasons or those influences serve as the reasons why you did it. But that is a different thing from saying they were the cause of your doing it. You are the cause. Those are the reasons. Now, Christians might answer this by simply saying that you serve as some sort of a prime mover in that, with respect to that, not like in a, in a blasphemous way, like you don't have what God has. But we are made in the image of God, and so in a certain respect— uh, one of the things that he gave us was the ability to to make he creates universes from nothing. We create choices um, from previously existing influences, but we really are free. And that's just a part of what it means to be made in the image of God. And uh, and so agents have this agent causation in that sense. I like to actually get a little bit sciency with it and offer what could be. I'm not saying I buy this, but if it's true, I think God designed it this way. Um, a scientific explanation. Some of you may have heard me give it in um, my uh, debate with Dan Barker recently, and the, and and I'm not. I didn't come up with it, uh, but it's in. You can find it in the book, um, the uh, uh, the handbook of free the uh, the Oxford Handbook of Free Will. You can you can read this there. And this the idea here is that we scientists believe that something like something indeterminate is happening at the quantum level. So everything up here in the world that we look at, and it all feels like it's deterministic, but down here at the micro level of quantum mechanics, there's something indeterministic going on. Um, you can look at double slit experiments and, and the collapse of the waveform and it's in the, the quantum indeterminacy there. So what, if you don't have to understand all that, all you have to know is 
that they believe there's something either indeterminate and probabilistic, or at least something that certainly appears that way for all we can tell. So what some libertarian free will advocates who are not Christian theists, um, or at least who are working under methodological naturalism that are presuming naturalism is they'll say, um, if there is those little quantum indeterminacies don't affect your free will, but if they could be amplified up to the quantum level, they would explain it. So what, uh, so one of the examples that's given is to say something like, all right, so a woman is walking down the street. She's going to a business meeting. She has to make it to the business meeting because if she doesn't make it to the business meeting, she's not going to get the promotion or whatever. It's going to change her life. But on the way she sees down an alleyway, a mugging taking place. And she's torn in two directions. On the one hand, she wants to get to the business meeting. On the other hand, she wants to stop the mugging or do something about it. And she doesn't know what to do. And so this, this, this uh, indecision that she's experiencing creates what we could call chaos that's going on in her brain. And the idea is that that perhaps could amplify the quantum indeterminacy such that it's felt at the quantum level so that there's genuine indeterminacy, which merely means not determinism, felt uh, in her decision-making. Now, that doesn't mean that it's the thing. It doesn't mean that it's random. Think, don't think of the indeterminacy as the cause. Think of the indeterminacy as an ingredient in the decision-making process. Now, if that's the case, and let's say she goes on to the meeting instead of doing anything about the mugging, then if you ask her why later, she will have reasons. But those reasons don't serve as the causes because there was indeterminacy at play. So what you need here for libertarian free will is it wasn't determinate, it wasn't determined, and she can tell you what the reasons were so that the influences serve as reasons, but not causes. Uh, the agent was the cause. Now, I'm not saying that's definitely the way it is, although if you're interested in that, I would encourage you to look into Roger Penrose and microtubules and uh, the, the idea that your brain might be a quantum computing device. Yeah. The point is, even on naturalism, here's a possible explanation. Right. So, I, I, so for I, those you know, of us who are, believe that we have souls, that, you know, uh, I th reasons don't cause people to do to act on things. People act on things because of reasons or they're just operating by instinct. I, I think that all makes it a lot more complicated. So when somebody asks me, what explains my choosing A or B in a given instance? Well, I, you'd have to explain that to me, not me explain that to you. So, Trevor Adams asks, if you could choose any five Christian thinkers, living or dead, to go to dinner with, who would it be? Also, none can be from the Bible. I like well, that this person thought this through. Yeah, I like that. Living or dead, but, uh, yeah. Um, I'd like to chat with, uh, let's see, who would be good conversation partners? Well, I'm putting down um, Thomas Aquinas. Yeah. C.S. Lewis. Yeah, that's on my list. I've already had dinner with the living ones that I really want to be with. Yeah. Uh, maybe N.T. Wright. I'll give you N.T. Wright. N.T. Wright's on my list. Um, is Lewis on your list? Yeah. I'm, I'm th we're three for three. Okay. Th okay. Um, uh that's tough. I already know who my last two are. Yeah, we'll go for it. Mine would be Calvin and Arminius. <laughs> oh, that you get that all the time. Their spirit lives on on the internet today. No, I want to. I want to talk. <laughs> you to want it from them. the horse's yes, mouth, right? I want to talk to both of them. Hmm. I don't know. I'd really have to think about the other two. Yeah. Maybe by the end of the show, I'll I'll come up with something. Good question, though. But yeah, I would want N.T. Wright there to talk with both Calvin and Arminius. By the way, I, I know that we Lewis have some super chats yeah. coming, but I but I can't. I, I'm going to get to them as we go. But okay? Aquinas would be my only 
one from prior because I don't I, I wouldn't have I think if you go too much further back in the past it would just be so difficult to have a a common frame of reference maybe Renee Descartes to... I'd try to help him out a little bit <laughs> <laughs> okay um all right question how do we know we could have done differently regarding to free will well uh, it's true oh I'm sorry I could have put it up there true counter is there anything logically contradictory that dismisses the idea no can you imagine that you would have done something idea differently without contradicting yes um why suppose that is impossible and why even suppose that it's, this is what I don't get when atheists give this complaint. How could we can't go prove that we could have chosen otherwise? Okay, so, so we don't have time machines. You know, we can't relive the same moment twice. Who cares? What 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 difference does that have to, to do with the question? It seems reasonable to conclude that if I drink water, I could have just as easily went to the thing and bought soda. I think that people are trying to overcomplicate these discussions, really. Um, well, I, you know, I, um, I have everything. This is in the literature called the rollback problem. Yeah. How could you roll? You don't know that if you rolled it back, if we could roll it back, that you do different. But if what I just offered as a pos- okay, first of all, if I, if what I offered, if what you offered about the soul is true, I see no problem with it or reason to think it's not the case. If um, the quantum indeterminacy amplification that many libertarians suggest is true, then it's it, then that would almost certainly demonstrate that, you, that it could have been, because that's the nature of indeterminacy, right? So I, I think uh, you know those are my answers to that yeah. question. I bought this water at, at Rulers Foods, which is a, a a Kroger outlet. Okay, I was at the store. I had money and I had everything that I needed to buy. Diet citrus drop or more diet citrus drop than I bought. Had I, you know, had that been the way I got, why think that I couldn't have done that when I had everything necessary to do exactly that instead of exactly what I did? There's there's no good reasons for thinking that. Digital Gnosis says, what are your thoughts on the theology of Don Cupit? Cupit. All I know is I think he's, uh, he's at Cambridge. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I don't even know philosophy, who that is. philosophy department, philosophy of religion department. Maybe I don't know anything about him. I don't know anything about him either. All right, moving on. Uh, let's see. What are you guys thinking about Michael Heiser? He's fine. Uh, yeah, I like Michael Heiser. Uh, in his book, The Unseen Realm, my favorite chapter is probably the least controversial chapter, and that's the one on the Angel of the Lord, where he assesses all the literature in the Bible on the Angel of the Lord. I really like that um, because I think that the angel of the Lord is Jesus, but uh, that's controversial, but uh, not, not in a scary yeah. way. He's all but, right. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I'm not, I'm not so sure about all of it. I'm not, you know, the divine counsel and all that stuff. I'm not, uh, I'm not sold, but I don't think there's anything scary there. No. Once you oh, understand what he's Michael Heiser's heart. If that's the question, he's harmless. Yeah. Absolutely. Most, People in theology. Vera is somewhat new to our channel, I think. And so, yeah, someone call for a nun. <laughs> the religious nuns. Yeah, they're yeah. The, nuns are religious nuns. Later in the day, it goes the worst. The dad, dad jokes joke. come out. Well, yeah. and Vera, too. Me and Vera get the dad jokes going. Okay. All right. Um, uh, let's see. What, what, what is your response on Cameron's Facebook uh, Trinity Radio, what is your response on Cameron's Facebook comments on Catholicism 
praying to the saints and others. I don't know what Cameron says about yeah, praying to the saints. I, I, I've Cameron's seen... a friend. I've talked to him a little bit about Catholicism. I know he's doing an investigation on this thing, which I think is healthy. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I don't think we... I don't think praying to the saints accomplishes anything. Sorry, Catholics. I know we've got Catholics in the audience. I don't think praying to the saints accomplishes anything. I don't think praying to Mary accomplishes anything. But I also don't think it's as, I don't think it's idolatry like it's not people worship. think. It's Yeah, I understand the difference between worship and veneration. I know that he's going back and forth. I still need to, I guess, I, I tried to watch one and I, I didn't get very far in it. I know Jerry Walls came to give the other side. I do want to watch that it's always yeah worth no it's I a good series it's yeah, a good I haven't series. Had time to watch. look if cameron becomes catholic great if not great i don't care well there you go um does that make him a non-christian no that's the dumbest thing ever so mad robot yeah. uh do the results from experiments like the delayed choice quantum eraser add credence to the idea of mind and consciousness shaping uh creating reality i i think so in fact i think i mean i don't look I don't really, I'm okay. I'm not a physicist. Duh. You should know that I'm a theologian and uh, apologist and, and all that. But I, but I did, I have read a bunch on this stuff in, during the uh, COVID-19 crisis and a lot of journal articles and digging into stuff. Yeah, You were getting like certifications into. and different things. I, yeah. So, <laughs> so, so I've actually taken some calls. Well, the rest of us had to work this. around the seminary. Even my mom home. hates you it when just, you say that huh? my mom hates it when you say that my mom watches this show. Yeah. You want to apologize to my mother right now? I'm sorry, Miss Marilyn. Thank you. There you go, mom. And However, true, it might have been. <laughs> okay, so I so the idea here is, is the observation is what collapses the wave function, and people want to say no when you do use a measuring device, and of course there's that. Well, yeah, but the why the measuring device because it goes to a consciousness, all that whole thing. I, I actually not only do I think if that's true, there's something helpful there. I also think it helps with the interaction problem, which is the problem between for substance dualists who believe in a soul like we do, mm -hmm. that how does the soul interact with the physical body? What's the mechanism there? I don't think we have to answer that question, but it could be observation. It could be that through our observance of things, that that is how we uh, interact with the physical body. That is a real <laughs> complex issue, yeah. but a super interesting question. Thank yeah. you, Mad Robot. Um, relativism? Um, indeed it, well it depends on what kind cognitive relativism is different from moral relativism sort of but moral relativism is to say that morality is relative cognitive relativism would be more like saying the planet earth exists might not might be true for me but not for you or something like that um, and the way you solve that is you you go into a bank a relative a relativist goes to a relativist bank and he knows that he has six hundred dollars in the bank he says to the teller, I want to withdraw $250. And the bank teller says, you, don't ha you only have $200 in the bank. And he says, no, I know that I have $600. And she says, well, that's your truth. But the bank's <laughs> truth is that you only have $200, so you can't withdraw $250. And he says, and if he's a good relativist, he'll say, well, then, I guess that's true. It's true for her. It's true for me. That's the way it is. Um, yeah. But, of course, no one lives that way. And, of course, to, to say that all truth is relative like that is self-defeating, self Right. There are things that are objectively true um, and that there are things that are in moral sense, whatever, cognitive, all of that. And then people have preferences. They have subjective preferences. And you know what? You should – and that's fine, too. But relativism is a different thing than just, like, subjective preferences about things. So I don't know – if chocolate ice cream is objectively better than vanilla ice cream, 
and I don't care. <clears throat> but it's also fine that if my subjective preference one day is I like vanilla ice cream better than chocolate ice cream, nothing bad happens. So who cares? <sighs> but unless you're lactose intolerant, then you better go for. Well, you can get yogurt or something. Else, well, yeah. I guess that I don't. Custard I don't know. is that a problem Custard, too? I don't, I don't know. know. Maybe, but sherbet. look, you get look, relativism. Yeah, sherbet. Uh, Nobody well, wants sherbet. Well, actually, my son <laughs> Noah likes sherbet, but relativism is a major problem. Yeah, for it's people. it's not even worth us going on about right. it anymore. Right, but but isn't the whole spirituality the same thing as what was going on in the early church? Could some good come of people being more open to spiritually? Yeah, I think so. No, whoa, 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 wait what? a minute, wait a minute. Christian spirituality. And Christian mysticism, if yeah, we're going to use it in a proper sense, yes, but I can is a mind. different thing than eclectic syncretism. Yeah, but I think what he's getting. You remember when we when that uh, letter or that article by C.S. Lewis, that Christmas article was discovered. Yeah, um, I think in 2011, and uh, they think it's him. And he he was saying he was it was he was somehow arguing like. If you if you have a field with the, you know that oh that, that pagans are easy okay okay versus yeah. versus uh, atheism secular naturalism whatever that is like a building in a downtown oh, area oh, that's oh, been I'm, destroyed I'm, so, I'm sorry uh, I misunderstood the question uh, absolutely well, let me give that let yeah me absolutely that. <laughs> it's a good thing that people are open to spiritual right, right. things so they, so what what Lewis Even is if arguing goofy. is if you have a field and that field kind of represents paganism. Yeah. Uh, where where there's some wrong stuff in there, maybe some ruins or whatever idols or something, versus a building that's been destroyed and now there's just rubble there. Yeah. Where is it easier to grow something, <laughs> and where is it easier to build something? Right. It's obviously, much yeah. So that so he he was arguing that he'd rather have the paganism over the naturalism. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah it's it's <clears throat> that that is a good thing. I agree. Okay. We let's move on, and we may skip people that we've already asked a question, but just because. Um, we need to get seriously though, Braxton. Oh no, that's not to you. Why are you upset? Uh, maybe I did already use it. I'm not sure if I brought him up before. Why are you upset about these people holding these positions? Upset about what? Upset from the top of the show about, um, people like believing that Severus Snape is. I'm Messiah? not upset about it. I think it's I, dumb. I, well, I'm upset to the extent that I want people to believe true things. Cause I yeah. think there's a lot on the line. Uh, but upset in the sense that like I'm I'm gonna have a bad night because I read that. No, no, that's not. That's yeah. Not <laughs> yeah I, um, okay. Uh, let's see. You I should keep, become a Christian. You should believe in Jesus. That's justification. I, I may faith. end up skipping some of these. Believe in Jesus. Too. Here's Matthew Jackson. How do you answer the question? Can you prove that God exists? I'll let you take that one. I'll be right back. Um. Matt Jackson throw me a softball here. I, I don't. I don't know. Um, well, there's multiple ways we can go about that. One one way that I go about it is to just say, well, I think we have really good reason to believe that God exists. I think God is the best explanation for the beginning of the universe. I think God is the best explanation for our free will. I think God is the best explanation for morality. I think that God is the best explanation for the incredible design we see all around us. And these are all things that I think the Bible, aside from the free will one, maybe these are all things that the Bible seems to hint at or outright state. Um, if you go to Acts chapter 17, Paul 
uh, talks about reasons toward one true God who made everything. And then he, um, he says that the best explanation for what they already believe is that God exists. And then he points to Jesus resurrection that says, and he actually says that's, that's where Paul actually says the word prove. Uh, God proved this by raising a man from the be- dead. So we would give a resurrection case. So we, we would talk about those kind of things. And um, I think for me personally, that, the, and I, you know, you can tell which arguments are the strongest because they're the ones that get the hate the most uh, from the, from certain internet atheists. Uh, the Kalam cosmological argument, in my opinion, is as close to a proof for God's existence as one can have. We don't usually say prove. Paul said prove about the resurrection. Um, but we, we try to be measured in how we're, how we're approaching these things. So what we usually just say is there's really good reason to believe that Christianity is true such that one is justified in believing it and what it's what I think people should believe. And, um, and so I think that the Kalam cosmological argument gives you God's existence along with these other arguments that I referenced. But then we get it to Jesus with a resurrection case. Um, and so there's videos and playlists for that on this channel. But thank you, MJ Jackson, for that. All right, let's keep trucking a little bit. Um, um, yeah, someone, now I think we answered this on the last, I think we answered this on Monday. Can you say something about how you believe the principle of sufficient reason allows for libertarian freedom? It seems to necessitate determinism to me. Thank you. I don't see how it does because uh, we still believe that there is a reason. We still believe that there is a cause. It's just that the cause is the agent. The agent is the cause. And then the, any cleanup that needs to be left after that suggestion was done when I discussed a possible defeater to the claim that it can't be done uh, with quantum mechanics. So, or perhaps with the soul, the way Pritchett answers it. So yeah. um, that's, that's how I would answer that. Let's keep moving. Um, let's see. Trinity Radio, I'm a Jew and want to understand Christian belief better. If most of the Sanhedrin didn't accept Jesus in the New Testament, then why should I? Well, what I would do is I would look at uh, the Old Testament teachings about the nature of Yahweh and the coming Messiah, and then look at the life of Jesus and look at the case for the resurrection that we have and, uh, and, and examine that evidence for yourself. That's, I wouldn't just appeal to what other people happen to believe. I would appeal to... Um, and of course we do have religious leaders that became sympathetic to Christianity. So, um, I think that's important. Also, I would point you to, as a Jew, I would point you to, um, uh, the, uh, I think Mike Winger has got a whole series on fulfilled prophecy. And, and if you and, want something meatier, Michael Brown has a whole set of books. Yeah. And, and you may, you, you may find yourself not being impressed with certain prophecies that were meant to have been fulfilled by Jesus. But I think some of them will be very impressive to you. And you'll have to say, I don't really know. I can't remember the name of the Jewish scholar. There's a Jewish historian. He's dead now. But he, um, maybe someone in the chat can remind me. But he actually remained a Jew, but came to believe that the, the case for the resurrection was so strong that Jesus rose from the dead. And so what he concluded was that Jesus was the Messiah for the Gentiles. Yeah. And so that's a, that's pretty interesting, right? So, um, but if you, which is kind of like the reverse of the earth, you know, is like, okay, so, so Jesus is the way for the Gentiles, but, but Torah is still the way for the Jew. See the, the issue, this goes back to Galatians. I mean, really the issue is, did God act decisively for all humankind through Jesus or did he not? And 
Paul's point in Galatians is he did, and that's why faith, or if we want to say faith alone and uh, without getting into what all that means, then, yeah, faith faith in the person and work of Jesus, because, you know, now, that right there isn't exclusive to either Jews or Gentiles. I mean, Jesus never ceased being a Jew, right? He did Jewish stuff. He he followed Torah. So, you know, it, it's not exclusive either way. It was meant to be God's way of bringing the Gentiles in. It, it meant to be inclusive, not mm. exclusive. Now, works of Torah, if you, if you add that to Jesus, you're saying, well, Jesus is a way for gentiles to become jews but gentiles could already become jews they could be proselytes they could be god fearers you know and and so jesus is the ultimate universal inclusive act of god and so that's that's the thing and that's why it should be you know without getting this you know uh, i think that's really what's key there it's jesus and jesus alone so I like Jesus alone. Faith alone, I I don't mind the the phrase faith alone, even with James two twenty four, for example, uh, because of it, you know how I interpret that passage. But but the key is, do you believe in Jesus? And and it, if you want to look at the Protestant versus Catholic debate on, on that, what's interesting there is that neither Protestants nor Catholics believe that Christians are going to be without works on Judgment Day. So. They believe that anyone who is justified by faith will also have works. So that turns out to be less interesting of a discussion than it was in the uh, for a lot of people in the Protestant Catholic debates. No. All right. So we've also got this question. What's your favorite Bible translation? Do you have multiple? My favorite is the New American Standard Bible because it's on the more literal, literal translation side of the spectrum. So if you imagine a graph like there's that great book uh, by Gordon Fee that what's it called? Um, how to read the Bible for all how to read the Bible for all it's worth and it has this graph in it with a line and it has on one end is literal and the other end is paraphrase so something like the message would be all the way on the paraphrase side uh, something like the New American Standard or the King James uh, would be closer to the literal side and what that means is if there's an uh, and then right in the middle would be something like the NIV it's kind of a paraphrase and kind of a, a literal translation and what something like the NIV would do and, and of course the paraphrases would do is if there's like a, a figure of speech or something that would make sense in the ancient Near East, but makes absolutely no sense to us, it might it might say something to clear it up so that it is understandable. So, uh, but but I like the New American Standard because for what I'm doing a lot of the time, especially in the Genesis series, I want to get as close to. And of course, I have lexicons and stuff open as well, but I want to get as close to uh, uh, you know a good translation as I can get. Yeah. So that's that's what I recommend. But, you know, I think I think most of the new translations are good for, you know, Christian disciples. I don't like Christian the NIV. Way. I don't like the ESV like the much. My uh, dad calls it the nearly inspired version. Yeah, I like the, <laughs> the uh, <laughs> my aside from the JPV. I like uh, the NASB. I like Ben Witherington's translations. I like the Christian Standard Bible. And I love the King James Bible. Yeah, I'm looking for some more questions. I'm sorry if I miss your questions. Um, let's see. The Christian Standard Bible is a definite improvement 
over the Holman Christian. Always good standard. to see we have a few um, yeah. a few atheist chest thumpers in the audience. I don't they know get, if they I should, call, work, should I call it the JPV work or the PPV? Should it be the Pritchett Prime version or the Jonathan Pritchett version? Or should those be two different know. translations? I don't know. Look here. We got something here. All right. Andrew Basham. What does it mean to be a disciple of Christ? Is making disciples different from evangelism? I really wish I could grow epic beards like you guys. God bless. Uh, I don't have it. Evangelism. Neither one of us have an epic beard. <laughs> I have two days worth of stubble. Well, look, I mean, at his, look at his face. He might look at this and think epic is relative. Um, but <laughs> the relativism, no, beard it's, relativism. It's uh, beard length relativism. Uh, thank you for the substantial super chat. Yes, that is, and may God that. grow yeah. your beard lengthily. Yeah. Um, or I, not, I, man. I, you look fine clean. I, I went clean shaven for a while. I think I'm just going to go back to it now. I look weird if I go clean shaven. So anyway, let's, let's yeah, answer this, Pritch. Let's like answer this. Evangelism is understood to be the sharing of the good news. Yeah. Um, it's, it's the proclamation of the truth, usually with an eye towards someone committing to the truth, believing the truth, and trusting on Jesus. And becoming a Christian in that sense, being born again in the John 3 sense, um, like Jesus told Nicodemus in John 3. Uh, uh, to make a disciple of someone is then to train them, to discipline them, to live the Christian life, to help them to learn to walk. So yeah. you, would, you, would, you would talk to a friend um, and lead them to Christ. They would become a Christian. And then you might start, uh, you know, either you yourself or someone in your church would, would begin the process of kind of, um, helping them to learn how to live the Christian life. So that process of learning and, and training and practicing Christianity right, is discipleship. Which, but some of that practicing dis in discipleship will lead the disciple to be doing evangelism. Evangelism, well. yeah, right, so, yeah, that's yeah, right. It's all connected. All right. Um, uh, let's see. Let's see here. Uh, how would you guys... Thank you for that substantial super chat in euros is it um how would you guys refute hinduism if you had just two to three minutes i need to check my script up against yours what well um th there's a lot to say in fact i go over this for about two or three hours in our major world religions class but if i only add a couple of minutes what i'd probably do is make a case for the resurrection and then point to the exclusive claims of jesus yeah. like in john chapter 14. so if i could show there's good reason to believe that jesus rose from the dead uh, so that they don't just incorporate Jesus into the pantheon of God, so to speak, um, and and start worshiping him in a bhakti cult, but not to the exclusion of other gods. Yeah. Um, I, I would I would I would I would give them the 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 resurrection case, and then I would point to the um, claims that Jesus makes that are exclusive. Yeah, it's really that 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 worldview difference um, that that this the biggest barrier beyond like any arguments for Christianity or against Hinduism that so that whole, uh, cause they could include that in their pantheon. Right. And, and do in some cases. So it's the, really, it's the whole worldview discussion and the difference, you know, there that you'd have to sort through the free thinker who is Tyler Vela says, ha, I'll give a $50 super chat if you stop saying libertarian free will is the Christian position. Did I say that? I say it. I, I say it. Because I don't know I, if I said that. I, I said it last time just to irritate Chris. Now, 
I don't think it's worth fifty bucks if it if it irritates. You'd rather him as keep well. saying. Oh yeah, for, <laughs> I, I can't be bought for fifty, a hundred. Yeah, you'll do it for a hundred. Yeah, I'll do it for a hundred. Tyler, cough up a hundred. He'll stop saying. Right, it. but but here's 50, the thing: if no. I say it, I apologize because while so here so here's the thing that I actually get annoyed by this too, Tyler, is that I listen to a debate with a Calvinist, even Calvinist friends of mine, and they'll say they won't say it's the you know determinism or compatibilism is the Christian position or that Calvinism is the Christian. What they will say is they'll say, well, now Christianity holds and then it'll be Calvinism or then it'll be determinism. And, uh, and I get annoyed by that too. So what I try to point out is that there are Christians who don't accept libertarian freedom. In fact, I meant to say a while ago, now I'll, I'll give you this. I didn't say this a while ago. I meant to say when I was answering, um, uh, Jared, I think was, I was going to say, look, um, even if you think that everything I'm saying about libertarian free will is garbage, it doesn't mean that Christianity is false. If I found out today that, that libertarian free will wasn't true, I would be utterly confused and wouldn't feel too bad about it because I was determined to be utterly confused. But, uh, <laughs> but I, I would be utterly confused, but I guess I'd just be a, something approximating a Calvinist. Yeah. That'd just be what I'd have to do. Yeah. I'm glad Tyler's here. Yeah. Trolling, um, trolling Chris Day. And now that I know that Tyler's annoyed by it too, even if only slightly annoyed, not worth 50, but it is worth 100. I like this question. See, but no, wait a minute. If if Tyler chips in 50 and Chris chips in 50, you'll quit. That'll, that'll get to the 100. Absolutely. If you could choose one evidence for God, which is not currently an argument, to develop into an argument, which would you choose? Not one of those. Those are already arguments. Yeah. Oh, you're saying something like that. I know exactly what I would choose. Do you have an idea, Bridget? Uh, I know exactly. No, I, and it's going to maybe I make so some much of you like vomit. yours that it's so much better than anything you know I could come up with. Yeah, I do. Mine is Demons. I I have uh, you know, you know what Gary Habermas did with near death experiences. Um and I think there are certain near death experiences that if you don't find them compelling, I don't know what all I can say is I don't know that you've looked into them to the extent. Not, I mean, you could look into them and still find some way not to find them powerful, but um, that there are some that are just really, and, and they're in the medical literature. They're, you know, it's empirical evidence. It's written down by medical professionals moments after a person is resuscitated, often from a non-Christian source. These people know things they shouldn't be in a position to know. Um, this, this is powerful. And atheists uh, brush it off. Uh, I remember sitting and talking to Gary Habermas and, and saying that, well, why do these atheists just brush it off like it's nothing, kind of laugh at it? And he's like, yeah, try to get them to defeat it, try to get them to show what's wrong with it. So I would do that with, um, with the demonic. Yeah. Uh, guess what? Look at the computer screen the way you are right now, all you want. We're Christians, and the belief in angels and demons is a system-dependent belief. And I believe in the demonic. Now, I don't believe that every time you get a cold, it's a demon or something. I don't, I don't believe anything like that. But um, I do believe in the existence of the demonic. And Amen. Um, there, is, there are psychologists and psychiatrists who have come to believe in the existence. I just read a book by M. Scott Peck, who is an example of somebody like that. There's another one, um, um, Gallagher, something Gallagher, Richard Gallagher, I think. He's got a book coming out next month um, on this subject. He's like a Yale 
uh, Columbia trained uh, psych psychologist or psychiatrist. And so, uh, so I think that there's probably enough material there that might be evidential that you could formulate that into an argument. Yeah. I mean, and it, I don't think anybody's doing that like yeah, they should. I, I think it still ha would have to be worked in because it is a system dependent belief. And there are other belief systems in the world that have spiritual beings of a kind that we could classify as demons. Um, you'd still have to tie it to the truth of Christianity. It would stand independently as an argument. It, it would, the, on its own, it would be um, an argument that, okay, you've convinced me that other types of beings exist. Mm -hmm. But it, well, you it would shut down naturalism. It would knock down naturalism. Sure, and it would be incredibly consistent with. Christian right because Christianity theology. can give it account for it, but I'm saying yeah. other views so so um, you know the atheist complaint about the clump well that doesn't give you the Christian God and we're like yeah we know that's why we give a resurrection case mm -hmm. but you, you could you could push back and say well demons doesn't necessarily give you Christianity yeah so you'd have to tie yeah, it. Yeah, I wouldn't be alone, but right, he, right. he was throwing out like the argument from beauty the, right you know, yeah beauty so, doesn't give you I mean right, yeah, you know, so. beauty can give you God uh, but that wouldn't give you all right. Have you seen Tyler Vela's debate, Stellman Smith, on libertarian free will? What are your thoughts on his objection to the sourced concept? Honestly, I do think I saw it, but I don't remember what the case was. So um, I'll have to go back and check it out. Um, but yeah, maybe if you could jot it down for me, I'll try to answer it. All right. What is the best Bible study software? Well, that's obviously going to be Logos Bible software, yeah, I like Logos. but it's expensive. You can get a monthly basis thing. Yeah, I've it. tried. I, I, I tried the what's the thing that the the Southern Baptist put out the Lifeway word search. Is that what that is? Yep. I didn't care for that. But I do have it because I got free books if you downloaded the free version of the software and I had free books in there. So I took the books and use it, but I don't like it. I think Logos is better. Uh, best best Radiohead album, OK Computer. Duh. Um, uh, OK. Is a record. I don't think conscious deliberation is necessary. I'm trying to find uh, stuff here. But is it though? That's really that. Is that yeah. the best, or is it just your favorite? No, that's consensus would say that's the best. I mean, it's subjective, but consensus. I mean, I don't know what God thinks is the best radio <laughs> album, but <laughs> but I'm telling so, you, I like OK Computer. Yeah. All right, the Freed Thinker says: Is there evidence that Matt Dillahunty will ever have an epistemologically coherent view of what evidence would falsify his naturalism? No, no, there is. Little to no uh, evidence of that. He's taken that shovel and... Matt Dillahunty, for those of you that are new, Doug. probably know who Matt Dillahunty is. He's a well-known internet atheist. And we, along with Tyler, have long made the case... Well, here's how I would phrase it. That Dillahunty says that he wants a demonstration of the supernatural. I want a demonstration. What does that demonstration look like? Well, I don't know. But if there's a God, he would know. Well, a couple of problems there. Number one... God may know that there isn't anything that would convince you given your epistemology. So, uh, so you can't just be lazy like that. Um, basically you're saying something like my epistemology isn't falsifiable. Right. And then, and then, so when you, whatever you give him, well, here's some evidence, Matt, 
Yeah. He's like, well, that isn't a demonstration. Okay, well, here's some more better evidence. That's not a demonstration. Okay, what would convince you? I don't know. And he agrees on the other end that you can't have Cartesian certainty, like absolute 100% certainty about anything, including your own existence. So he's not asking us to give him absolute certainty, but he's not telling us. And so there's this big gap between absolute certainty and the level of evidence we're able to give. Yeah. And no matter where we stick that evidence, he says not a demonstration. Go so, bus. yeah, I agree that nothing would fall. So we take four ninety nine off the... On, we'll put that down on the ledger. Yeah, you're putting it on the goal. ledger yeah, for his goal <laughs> to get me to stop. Oh playing. man, I'll take it. That's see, that's how do you define? Let's see. Um, how do you define moral or good? Is it possible to define these terms in a way that would not lead to a circular reference in the classical form of the moral argument? I'm not sure why you think it's circular in the moral argument. Yeah. I'm not, I, you, maybe you need to unpack that one a little bit more for me. I'm happy yeah. to answer. I'm not trying to dodge, but maybe I need more than that. Yeah. That's not, um, that argument's not circular. And by saying that goodness is grounded in God's nature, doesn't prove the premises to the moral argument. Cause the argument premises are not based on that definition. Yeah. Were cats so, created as a direct result of the fall in Genesis three. Yes. That's next. That's easy. <laughs> Thank you for that super chat. <clears throat> Do you think apologists hinder themselves when they hold to compatibilism and determinism? No. You don't think so? No. Okay. Some people, whiny people complain about the problem of evil being harder. Yeah, well, I'm I, one I, of those whiny people. Yeah, I know, and, and yeah, but I mean, uh, there's... there's I get that on it hinders me uh, when that when I, they do I that. I get it on intellectual, <laughs> but there's a part of me that just says, "Well, suck it up, Buttercup." You know, there's still the, always that prime in me. It's like, you know what? Because, like you just said, however confused you may be, if it turns out that Calvinism is true, so be it, right? And then at that point, Prince of Prime would just be suck it up. But, but then that wouldn't work for Calvinists, like a certain particular type of wishy-washy Calvinist that wants to punt the mystery and wave that banner. No, if I found out determinism is true, which I don't think it is, uh, at least if Christianity is true, you're not there yet, Tyler. So that's <laughs> 95 more dollars. But um, I'm not worried about it. But if, if, if Christianity is true and Calvinism is true, then I'm going to be as all in on that version of Christianity that I think is true as I would any other version. But I've seen Calvinist apologists be effective. So why would I say it's a hindrance when Christianity is a hindrance to a lot of people on its own? So adding Calvinism doesn't really make it that much more difficult. People just want to pretend that because it's another thing they can level against a particular kind of Christian apologist. Uh, Trinity Radio, do you guys think that many atheists do care about the evidence for Christianity, or even if given evidence, do you think they'd still remain atheists? Uh, I think they care about the evidence. Um, I think some people would remain an atheist because of the reason why a lot of people remain what they believe, regardless of their worldview, is because they like it. There are other reasons besides evidence that we've already done a whole show on this. Any, any move on any worldview position right. that big is done for a variety of reasons, one of which may be evidence. Right. Um, so it's always good to, to respond to when they have an evidential or intellectual complaint because it helps to peel that away so we can see what, but what that's else not gonna, might be But there. that's not going to do, that's not going to put a dent into the other reasons that have nothing to do with evidence why they're clinging to whatever worldview they have. 
Yeah. So, but I do think that there are atheists that, that care about the other, that are interested in the conversation. Um, I do think that there are atheists who pretend to be because they just want to, they just want to d- debate and argue and fuss and all that. But I do believe that there are certain atheists that have convinced me that they are generally interested <clears throat> in conversation and truth and want to explore the evidence. Uh, but so it just really depends on the atheist. But those atheists. Vera got depressed earlier from an atheist video on hell. I understand struggling with the nature of hell. By the way, on that subject, I last year accepted the invitation from Chris Tate to speak at the Rethinking Hell Conference in Seattle. But then I had to cancel because my own church was having a, a conference. And um, so I felt like I should be there. And so I had to turn down. They replaced me with Paul Copan. Um, and then, uh, so, yeah, Paul Copan was the second the backup, the backup. Yeah. yeah. But, um, but, but then now Tim Barnett may or may not be able to make it. And so he's stuck in Canada, unable to cross the border. So guess who's back in Tim may still make it, but I'm in now. So November something I, I shared it on Facebook. Um, I'm going to be in Seattle at the rethinking hell conference. And so Vera, um, check out our videos on hell. Just go to our video page, type in hell. There's one that I did not too long ago. Um, that deals with atheism and hell and answering those objections. Um, and then there's two from me and Pritchett from a long time ago, a couple of years ago, where we go through the different Christian views that are, that are safe Orthodox views, I should say on hell. Well, let, yeah, two of them at least. Yeah. Um, so, so anyway, go and check, then check if, if, and speaking of rethinking hell, my presentation at last year's rethinking hell, which um, I must say was pretty, Fun and interesting conversation. Adam Harwood liked mine, so that made me feel good. Zom. Go watch that on the Rethinking Hell's YouTube channel. My yeah, go check out Pritchett. He did fantastic. It won't make you feel better about hell, but you'll be entertained for at least an hour. Does myriological nihilism as an objection to the first prince of the Kalam dismiss the fact that we observe things that begin to exist? Um, no, there's a variety of reasons for that. Um, the person who raised... This is the typical funny way of answering that question. The idea here is we don't ever actually observe anything begin to exist. We just see new combinations of atoms that make what look to us like new things. But it's just these atoms were already here. This is just this is just organized in a new way. So this chair didn't come to exist. This arrangement of atoms uh, was not the arrangement they had before. So the idea is with the Kalam, Everything that begins to exist must have a cause for its existence. Well, how can you say that when we've never really seen anything come to exist? We've only seen different arrangements of pre-existing material. Um, the problem is we do see things come to exist because this is the funny way of answering it. So the person who raises that objection say, did you come to exist? Because if you um, didn't come to exist, then I don't have to answer this question because no one is asking me it, this question. Um, <laughs> Uh, and you can't say it's flatly absurd to say you've always existed. You, what we call you. So, but, but let's just take that one aside completely because it's a complete, it's, it's completely unimportant answer. But question. see, there you go again. Well, minute, I'm one me... of the people who thinks that's enough. That's enough. Uh, it's not enough. That's not enough. It is enough. Because I know that people are going to want to dig deeper. So no, you... it goes back to what you said that people just want to write dissertations about things. I don't care. I'm going to get this part of my dissertation. I didn't okay. put this in any dissertation, No. but I'm going to say it. Here's the thing. Even if we have never seen, even if we grant that and say, yeah, we've never seen anything come to exist. The, the, the implication is that perhaps universes can come to exist uncaused out of nothing because we don't even know what it's like to see something come to exist 
from nothing. So maybe nothing can produce something because we don't know. We've never seen real nothing to know what it's capable of doing. Now, if you find that to be one of the dumbest things you've ever heard, that's because it is. The, the reality is when we're talking about nothing, we're, we're not talking about like uh, Lawrence Krauss's roiling sea of positive and negative energy that can do all kinds of things. We're talking about not anything. And when we're talking about not anything, we're talking about something that has no powers, no possibilities, no potentialities. No substance even. No, yeah, and so, so the, if you say that nothing could cause something, then you're not talking about nothing anymore. You're talking about something that has some property that would allow it to cause something. So even if we never saw it, we can still we can still posit that something can't come from nothing because we're talking about philosophical nothing, right? That's the, that's the idea. So that's how, uh, so there you go. All right. Uh, I feel like we still got, I a still like your first response better because people just come up with these objections so that they can, you know, write dissertations and pick at nits, but. Thank you for the $5 super chat. Please yeah. review second edition of Talbot's inescapable love of God. Second edition of, on Perry's Evangelical Universalist or Riatan Cronin's God's Final Victory. Okay, some book recommendations there. Thank you, meow, meow, meow. Dr. Michael Brown. Somebody loves Michael Brown. Um, I do let's too. see. Nice guy. Does Jonathan have a license for those guns? <laughs> That's Matt Chisholm. <laughs> Does Jonathan have a license for those guns? Does the Bible support? The only guns I ever need, buddy, I don't own firearms. Which means I'll die um, <laughs> in a gunfight, but that's okay. I can tell where we are in getting through the questions because... It's going downhill in the quality. No, of because they're, <laughs> respond, they're responding to things we covered 30 minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, Super Chat, $5. Thank you so much, Benjamin Handelman. Yeah. I just joined the Patreon. Wow, thank you. And wow, that thank you video, Pritchett was like three times larger. <laughs> where do I get the Pritchett Prime Diet book? As a matter of fact, right. there's not a book... But there is a YouTube channel, a YouTube channel, and a Facebook group called Theology Geek Fitness. Yeah. And if you're now a patron, you can see his 30-minute video talking about. Yeah, it. we. It's not. It's still an unlisted video. You won't find it on the Theology Geek Fitness channel because I'm waiting for the other contributors to get their videos in so that we can have a big launch where it's not just dribbling out content, but it's actually evidence that we're going to do more than just the Jonathan Pritchett. Look at me work out thing. But yeah, I have a video on there that you can access, get early access to um, as a patron where I talk about that. And then I have a couple more videos talking about my diet in more detail and my workout routines in more detail. Uh, both on my weight loss diet uh, that I did last year and then now on my uh, lean building uh, weight gain diet. I'll talk about what I'm doing there too. It never ends. Your Thank you for there. that super chat. Jeremiah April. Um, thank you so much. I appreciate that. And uh, you didn't say anything, but we're going to say fantastic. Beer fantastic. Um, thank you. Is Calvinism a bad word here? Of course not. No, no, we no, love, no, no. Cal I love Calvinist Calvinism. brothers and sisters. Yeah. Um, in fact, Daniel James Hole is a Calvinist. Um, uh, oh, this is somebody Chris Dates a Calvinist. Here. Tyler Vela, who let's gave see, us money, see, is a Calvinist. Let's see what Daniel James Hull said in response to Vera. Our strong libertarian is not really, though. I am a Calvinist, and so are some other people here. Everyone is welcome. Yes, yes, that's right, Daniel. In fact, Vera, if you're still there, we are professors at a school called Trinity College of the Bible and Theological Seminary. 
and we have Calvinist and non-Calvinist professors. So um, they're our friends. We, we think of it as a as an important and fun discussion that brothers and sisters can have. Yeah, we haven't really talked about Calvinism in three years now. I got I prepared for this debate on Calvinism uh, that I was Leighton Flowers' second choice. Braxton Hunter was Leighton Flowers' first choice. And Braxton said, no, I don't want to do it. It's in Pritchett. So I, I got into that debate, and I prepared long and hard for months for this debate. And then I get there, and none of my preparation meant Mattered. anything because it was just uh, that's often circus how it goes. but but after that i was just kind of bored with the conversation about calvinists so the only time i ever really talk about calvinists is if i want to get on their nerves and now that i know that that we um was name james is a calvinist mm-hmm. too he just said he just had, so daniel, now daniel james hole daniel james hole now you get to be uh every time i see you i get to pick on you as, as oh, well you messed as, up daniel yeah. <laughs> well you done messed up son yeah no, I'm just no. I I don't. I'm paleo orthodox. Uh, actually, technically paleo Baptist to distinguish me from someone like uh, Thomas Olden, who was paleo orthodox, but he was in the Methodist tradition, so they baptized babies. But basic paleo orthodoxy, which is why I don't get upset about Catholics or Eastern Orthodox or Calvinists or Arminians or or what. I don't. That's I I know other people disagree with that, and people like. You know, I don't like theological liberalism. That's where my line is drawn. But everyone else, they're going to go to heaven when they die. It's Pink fine. Moon says, Trinity Radio just started seeing you guys a few months ago. Great work, you guys. All right. Thank you. Great work on complimenting us, Pink yeah, Moon. I'll take Trinity it. Trinity Radio question. How much do you think pop culture, TV shows, movies influences people's worldview? Ooh, good question. A lot. I'll, I'll, well, I, I agree that it does a influence a lot. And I, I'm saddened that... That's the case. That well, and it happens without you realizing it if you listen enough. If, if you watch enough, that's why... Um, it happens when you're not poorly educated enough to filter what you're receiving yeah, I think it still can culture. happen. It normalizes. It normalizes things. Yeah. But, but J.P. Moreland says that you should actually call it out when you see it. When you see an unchristian message, or like an anti-Christian message, or an anti-Christian position, then you say it. You say out loud, even if you're alone, or say it to your family, like, I can't, you know... What they're saying is is wrong because and pointed right, out. Right, I agree yeah. with that too. Yeah, JP so, Morley. Nerdy Theus, I subscribe to your channel, by the way. Uh, Pritchett didn't, but that's because wait, he, wait, he doesn't uh, love all of you as much as I do. Um, <laughs> I'll subscribe if it's good. Is it good? You like it? Yeah, he's got yeah. Okay. Go check it out. Is it a? It's is, an apologetics and something else. I can't. There's another thing that it is. Uh, someone says the free version of Logos is good to start with. Yeah. All right, let's get back to the questions. <clears throat> Someone's asked me what I think about the Westboro Baptist Church. Garbage. Get rid of them. Uh, yeah, let's see. Oh, someone Are they asked still me, around? Are I they really still around? I don't know. Are they still I, doing I think the granddaddy or whatever died. I don't. I don't, but hey, um, someone asked me a while ago, what do you think about cosmological arguments that don't uh, require you to talk about uh, time? Like instead you have a causal past or causal, uh, a chain of uh, uh, infinite causal chain stuff. I like those too. I think those yeah. are good too. Um, here is a $5 super chat from Pigs Can Fly. The best free application would be the Blue Letter Bible comments or thoughts on Kent Hovind and his... CSE. CSE. I don't know what that is. I 
have never really Kent Hovind was a hero. Like when I first got into apologetics, I was like, Kent, Hand of Kent he Hovind. Was. Of course he was. We're talking about like 20 years ago. Okay. Um, and then Kent, people who've listened before have heard me say this, but they kept talking about, they didn't say heretics, but the, these heretics, that's the impression I got. These heretics, Norman Geisler and William Lane Craig. So one day I was like, I gotta, I gotta read these heretics and see what they're saying so I can know how to respond. And um, those were some pretty good heretics. <laughs> so I started reading and they won me over. And now looking back, I, I like Ken Ham more than this Kent Hovind fellow, but I'd never heard of him until I saw him in a discussion. Was it with Michael Jones? I don't know all the who's who and all of that. I don't keep up with all that, but I did figure out who he was when he, de- he debated Michael Jones, right? Oh, CSE. Is that the guy he debated? Yes, he did. Yeah, that was horrible. I was like, this guy was famous. Christian, but, but I don't mind Ken Ham as much as he, he doesn't give me heartburn like he gives everyone else heartburn. I'm uh, not a younger creationist, but I went to the museum. It was fine. I heard him speak while I was at the museum, which was pretty cool. His speech, I did not disagree with much of whatever he said, except for the young Earth stuff that he threw in there. But it was really more about worldview than that, than young Earth creationism. But and just because I don't agree with young Earth creationism doesn't mean I didn't like the stuff at the museum. It's fine. It's fine. Quit CSE apparently stands for Christian Science Evangelism. I don't know what's up with that. All yeah. right, here is. Uh, thank you so much for this super chat. See all the super chats after Stephon Winger has Stephen started. A. How would you Notice guys that? answer? Huh. All these super chats after Winger has started. You notice that? Stop telling them that Winger started. Jeez, man. No, I'm proud because they're... Yeah, we got to fly under the radar here. They'd rather be here. We're going to lose a bunch of viewers all of a sudden. (laughs) Winger's on. Um, How would you guys answer the Catholic objection that children that that mentioned is Clopas and not Mary and Joseph? Is this having to do with... I think the question here is about that Jesus didn't have any brothers or sisters from Joseph and Mary. Is that right? That they were from Joseph. Uh, there's not a shred of evidence. For I'm that. sorry, Catholics. I don't. There's not a. I, there's no. That's a reach. That, that's yeah. a bad reach. What are your main reasons for rejecting open theism? Uh, no one's going to like my answer. Okay. Huh? Go on. Here's my answer. The Bible plus philosophy equals classical theism. I'm convinced it's true. I, I, I And I know open theists are going to protest and say, you're not taking our readings of the Bible, the way, you know, the ancient original audience would and all that you're reading all your plate. Okay, fine. I, I think philosophy gives us true things along with scripture. And I think that, uh, classical theism is true. That's why Christians have affirmed it for millennia. Hey, William Lincoln, do you guys think that it's okay to say that there are different denominations of Christian Christianity because there are different kinds of people, or is it right to argue that only one way is correct? Well, I think that it, both of those things are true. There are different denominations because there are different kinds of people, if we mean that come to different conclusions. Um, but is, is run right way correct? We may not, on any particular piece of doctrine, that secondary doctrine, that or well, I mean any piece of doctrine, but here we're talking with denominations, usually about secondary doctrine. Right. And any particular piece of doctrine that two denominations disagree about, there is a fact of the matter. Yeah. Someone so, is right. Or they're both wrong. Or they're both wrong. But 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 it's not like the truth is whatever they want it to be. Like um, all right, take take baptism for 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 instance. Okay, take the question of baptism. Is is 
Pedo baptism or credo baptism? Well, one of those is right. Uh, they both can't be wrong because what's the other alternative, right? Yeah, I'm sorry. Michael Jones just messaged me. I'm, oh, so I mean, of course the the uh, the pedo baptist would say, well, they're both right because we baptize infants and baptize new converts on on their profession. So I guess they, they, they you know, but either that that pedo view that is inclusive of uh, credo baptism is true, or just credo baptism is true. But they can't, you know. It's one or the other. If credo baptism is true, then you should not baptize infants. If if pedo baptism is true, you should baptize infants. So uh, th- on those issues, someone's right in that debate. How much does that debate matter? To me, it doesn't. But other okay. people, their mileage may vary. So honestly, atheists clarified about the moral. So William Lane Craig's moral argument contains moral values exist as a premise and God exists as the conclusion. If the definition of moral values requires God, then it's circular. No, I understand why you feel this way. So if God, his argument is, if God does not exist, objective moral values and duties do not exist. Objective moral values and duties do exist. Therefore, God exists. So he would defend premise one. It's really premise one you're wanting to talk about. Obje- if God does not exist, objective moral values and duties do not exist. You would, you would need to challenge premise one to show how moral values and duties might exist without God or why God doesn't explain the existence of objective moral values and duties. Um, on premise two, you would say, uh, you, you, so the, the thing with premise two, he is a, you're right that he is asserting in premise two that objective moral values and duties do exist. Now, what we would do then is we'd go one level deeper and we would argue for that premise two is true. So it's just arguing for each premise and then the conclusion follows. But there's nothing circular about it. Now, in premise two, objective moral values and duties do exist. He would defend that. I have heard him defend that by saying, um, by, 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 like if somebody challenged him and said, I don't believe they do exist. I think it's subjective morality. He would say, um, well, deep down, we all know that objective moral values and duties do exist. And this is where he would bring in something like the principle of credulity and say um, any argument that seeks to show that objective moral values and duties do not exist is going to rely on one or more premises that are less plausible than our immediate awareness that they do exist. So, But there's nothing circular about it. You may not buy it, but I'm not seeing the circularity there. Um, all right. And, and you admit that it's hard to unpack everything you're trying to say with the character limit. Okay, are, are people still here? We still got 81 people here. Wow. Jonathan, you need to eat more food, Brian Perspective says. I eat 2,800 calories a day. What do you mean eat more food? I can't, I could, I eat more food than most people now. I eat plenty of food. And oh. I'm, I'm trying to, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. What, it's weird. I'm Zom. eating, I'm eating as many calories with the right uh, macros that I was supposed to be to do what I'm trying to do. I've got, <sighs> thank you Zom for this super chat. Thank you. So, Oh, what did I do? I hit Siri. It's, can that's you guys so still... weird because I know I eat more food now than I ate. Can you guys still hear eating. us? Let me know if you guys can still hear us. So, I don't know if they can hear it's, us. It's weird. It, you'd be eating is, is a weird thing. I didn't hear any of that except you need to eat and eating is a weird thing. No, eating is a weird thing because like I'm eating way more calories probably than a lot of people who are eat a freaking cheeseburger. They say I do. I look, I, 
I do eat cheeseburgers. Can you got? But you guys can still hear us, right? Nobody's answering. I'll eat all the cheeseburgers you want to buy for me. I'm starting to think they can't hear us. Yeah. Oh, they can hear us. Okay. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh. What do you think about Netflix cutie mo- cuties movie? Don't know anything about it. Oh wait, I do. That's the. Uh, that's the one. Everyone's oh, that's going the one with, the, yeah, the, with the what looks like child girl. pornography. Right. Yeah. It's it's absolutely disgusting and terrible, but gives you a good indication of where our culture is. Uh, so write that down that you know that this is what you're up against in culture that they're trying it's going back to what Braxton said about pop culture trying to normalize things this is anyone who would defend that movie is trying to defend normalizing sexualization of children that's very very dangerous someone's wanting to know why we're not catholic Sedani or Kadani. because I don't agree with a lot of things that the catholic church teaches that's pretty <laughs> there easy you, there you go <laughs> That's, there you go. Uh, uh, Plus, if I was to become Catholic, I feel like you would need to affirm. I'm like I'm like the reason I'm like the argument that Catholic apologists use. Oh well, if you're not a Catholic, you just be your own pope and 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 pick the beliefs that you like. So yes, I pick the ones that I think are right, and sometimes they don't line up with Catholicism at all. So it's it's better. It's easier to be me. I would I would hate to be a Catholic. And then say, yeah, but I disagree with the church on, and then give the laundry list of things that I disagree with the church on. That's not a good Catholic. And I, if I was to be a Catholic, I'd want to be a good one. I would be a terrible Catholic, so I shouldn't be one. I was about to wrap it up, and we got, oh, he, $10 for some cheeseburger money. Woohoo! I'll eat a cheese. Where'd they go? Um, I'm, I'm 11 pounds heavier than my lowest weight. Daniel James Hole says, what books should every Christian read before they go into public apologetics? And yes, I know one of them is the Bible. Well, um, the signature classics by well, Chris. Well, well, hold on, hold on. I don't I'm not going to say one book by Lewis. Just get the signature classics in one volume. You know what my answer is? Yeah. No books. That's a, that's a terrible answer. No, but you don't know why I'm going to say it, but both you and Daniel James Hole should know by now. It's because you can be a Christian apologist today when you get done watching this live stream, even if you've never heard of it yeah, before. Yeah, the whole answer because, finder instead of on, answer giver. Because you may not be that. ready to be an answer giver yet, but you can be an answer finder for people by saying, hey, I don't know the answer to that, but I'm going to go find an answer. And that's where the books come in. So I think you can go ahead and start doing evangelism, telling people about Jesus, defending the Christian faith. But it, just be the caution there, if you haven't read the books is, and even if you have, is be willing to say, I don't know the answer to that. I think that there like are, that. But to get into public apologetics, I think there are plenty of books that you should read before you go public. That's not evangelism. Public apologetics, I think he means in, the, in a ministry sense, there are plenty of books that you should read before then. Not the no books. I think you should okay. read the entire Western but I know canon. what he's asking me. Go ahead. The Go read the great books of the Western world, everything in that list from Adler. Uh, before they start? Yes. Before because, they because start. Because I see a lot of apologists who never read anything in the Western canon get out there and they just they don't know how to talk about a you need a you need i think that apologists need a liberal arts education and you can give yourself one with books that are old uh and then you should read the c.s lewis uh signature classics and that's probably all you really need um i i think and 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 core facts (laughs) i think uh (laughs) it would be good to get the five views on christian apologetics 
to understand the differences. So that's one. Uh, you don't think you need to know the differences in methodology? Uh, I don't think you need that. No, that's book. one of my textbooks. That's, that's not one of the things. That's, that's not an important book to read before you go into Yeah, you have to decide what methodology you're going to use. If you read the the... If you participate in the great conversation, but read the great books, you'll have already. You won't know how. You, no, you won't. You you will you, you will already no, be doing apologetics, no. even if you don't know which. Camp okay, he's giving you the smart answer. I'm giving you the realistic, practical. Answer. Go buy a book from Zondervan go, that's 15 years old. Well, not just but, that. But don't one. go read from Homer. To, Jonathan, I'm going to mute your mic. Okay. So read the five views on apologetics. Read um, Avery Dulles' History of Apologetics, so you can understand the historical development of these things going back to the early church um, read uh, and then, and, and then read philosophical foundations for a Christian worldview um, tactics. You should probably read Greg Kokel's tactics and uh, the case for the resurrection by Michael Icona or the resurrection of Jesus, a new historic historiographic. The question book. wasn't what apologetics books was it? It was what books uh, I'll go find it. Let's see. I don't. I've lost it now. Yeah, I've lost it. Hmm. No, what book? I see it right there. What books should ever not not wait before they go into public apologetics? Right. And it's like he asked you. It's like he asked you. What books do you need to study in medical school? In apologetics, what you do is you encounter worldviews. I think you would give the same list. No. In apologetics, what you do is what books do you need to do before you do a heart transplant? You'd say give them the books of the Western world. That's what there is. Yes, you can find oh my information about and it won't be up to date. But yeah, look, listen to me. In apologetics, you, you encounter worldviews and you encounter ideas. And all worldviews and ideas have an intellectual history that you should know something about and how these ideas develop. And one of the benefits of reading through the Western canon and the history and development of all these ideas and where they've all been hashed out all the mm -hmm. way to the modern present conversation is that what apologists and Christians and, and, and practical theology and other things, what they do all the time is they're running around trying to put out cultural fires or cultural uh, symptoms without ever fighting the root causes and the diseases. And what the history of the Western world and, and, the, all, and the history of ideas and following the Great Conversation does is it gets you down to the root causes and basic ideas that underwrite everything that I has agree. been expanded on top I, of it. And if you attack that, you don't have to worry but about chasing all this nobody stuff Nobody is going to do that before starting to do apologetics. Well, I did. I'm nobody special. Then the, then you... <laughs> You can do that while you're apologist. Get Avery Dulles history of apologetics, and it'll it would do take all you, for you two years of. Well, it'll take you. I'll say this: it'll take you three years of. Uh, uh, if you read one hour a day, you could finish the uh, that in three years. Mm -hmm. If you can read 250 pages, uh, I mean 250 words a minute. Also, I think it's a good idea if you're getting into theology to read the Philip Schaff editions. Nick Quint the, thought I was ignoring his questions, and I genuinely didn't see him, Nick. I'm sorry, but you didn't you didn't do it the way I requested that you do it by writing question real big. Um, but that's okay. I went back and found it because I'm willing to go the extra mile for you because I love you with all my heart. Concerning secondary issues and not dividing over them, how is that possible? Example: A church that decides to not ordain women will certainly be divisive to some. Is that is the sentiment wrong? No, I don't have a problem with churches. I don't have a problem with denominations. 
I don't have a problem with denomination. I don't have a problem I don't, I don't, with I don't, I don't have a problem with with a guy over here who loves Jesus with all his heart and is doing everything he can to serve the Lord and disagrees with Nick Quinn about ordaining women. And so Nick over here disagrees with him with all his heart. And those guys may never find a single church that they can both be happy without pulling their hair out. So he goes over there and he goes over there and they meet for lunch afterwards. I don't see the problem. I don't either. There's, 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 there are churches like the church that you and I attend yeah. that can have people with differing views on secondary tertiary issues get along fine. It's no problem. There are churches that can't do that, and that's fine too. It's a soft divide. It's not a hard divide. When well, we say we shouldn't divide over secondary issues, I'm not thinking so much of what local congregation you go to so much as consigning someone to the flames or something right. like that. You know? Right. Um, hugs, 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 he says. Question. <laughs> That's good, Nick. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, I think we're, I think we're, uh, I, whoops. I think we're good. Yeah. Um, I think we've, we've done enough, enough damage for the day for, for this has been a whole lot more fun than I thought it would be. Yeah. I thought we don't even have a topic, but we had a topic. The Lord provided one through, uh, Harry Potter cults. Yeah. And, um, anyway, listen, we, we love all you guys. Thank you so much for all the super chats. Thanks for all the questions that didn't, yeah. uh, come up. Um, I, 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 uh, or that, that I didn't get to and the ones that I did and, and I, I just, yeah. this has been great. This has been a lot of fun. Go listen to Mike Winger. He's got nine minutes left, probably. So <laughs> yeah, he knows how to tie it all up quicker than like us. Yeah, we're there's two of us here. Yeah, we so. still know how to tie it up quicker than one Leighton Flowers. So that I'm still proud of. All right. Well, we love you all, each and every one. To the new subscribers, thank you for thank sticking you. with us. Yes, if awesome. you're not a subscriber, come on, man. Just click the button. It's free. It yeah. doesn't. Click cost the button. You never anything. watch again. Yeah, we're trying it's to get fine. to ten thousand subs, and we're pretty yeah. darn close. Also, check out Theo Apologetics by Chris Day. Check out The Bible Bro Down with Matt Chisholm and Billy Winland and The Narrow Path with Steve Gregg and Soteriology 101 with Leighton Flowers. You'll find a variety of views. Let's see. Uh, Calvinism, the trad provisionalistic, whatever they're calling yeah, themselves it, these it, days, it, uh, the Leighton Flowers thing, uh, the non-Calvinism, uh, there's us, there's, you know, there's Trinity Radio there's Extra. There's Trinity Radio Secret. Extra is our new second channel, yeah. which is predominantly Jonathan Pritchett. So if you're a stand for Pritchett, then go check out Trinity Radio Extra. By Lots of fun. Oh, and, and, and the link of, is already in the description. And speaking of, of Nick Quint and his question, we're going to be talking about that, uh, I think, next week. So what? we talk about egalitarianism and stuff. Nick you, and you're going to have Nick yeah. Quint on again. The yeah. Nick Quint. For a second time. Wow. People loved the first time he came on, too, and we were talking about the apocalyptic perspective and new perspective. So lots of fun Pauline discussions with Nick. Two Trinity professors recently went at each other on videos in a friendly way, and that was Chris Date and Leighton Flowers. Chris is a Calvinist. Leighton is not a Calvinist, but identifies as a provisionist. Provisionist, and that's right. They, uh, Chris Date gave the friendliest criticism of Leighton, and Leighton apologized and gave a response. Uh, so I, what did I think of it? I, I just listened to the first part to see what Leighton was going to say to all these charges, and he basically apologized. So I'm not I was like, I'm, I'm done with this. I'm not <laughs> listening to any no of No red that. meat, man. Yeah, I'm not listening to any of it, to be honest. 
I've heard them talk about that back and forth for so long on Unbelievable and on each other's show. I just, I'll, I'll, I'll let that one go. All right. Well, unless they say something mean, not this apology friendly stuff. That stuff, no. If it gets vicious, I'll tune in. Vero, we're so glad that you found us and anyone else who's new. And we'll see you guys next time on Trinity Radio. All this getting along with Chris and Layton, it's not fireworks, man. People want to see mud swinging. They see me and you sling a lot of mud at each other. That's right. That's why we have more viewers than Winger today, right? No, that's just why we didn't lose I Winger. highly doubt we had more <laughs> viewers than Winger. No, that's why we were able to retain more than we thought we would. Right. That's right. Oh, this was fun. It was. See you guys later. 